Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. Welcome to Location Matters. We are on our final episode of the Location Matters podcast for this season, season two. We've had 12 amazing episodes. We're rounding it out now with an episode that I feel has been really long time coming. We have on the podcast today two very special guests that are joining us all the way from the US. And we're all here today to talk about the power of using Google Cloud, particularly the amazing functionality that we can receive with BigQuery, and then combining that with the use of Cardo location technology, which is something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. And we've had lots of our Cardo colleagues attend and take part in this podcast before. But today we have uh, a new guest from Cardo. And we also have a new guest from Google Cloud. So without any further ado, I would like to welcome Chad Jennings, who is the product manager at Google Cloud. Thank you so much, Chad, for coming. Thank you for having me. And I'd also like to welcome Matt Forrest, who's joining us from New York, who's the director of spatial data science at Cardo. Thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, glad to be here. And then we've got Dion Fleming, who all of our listeners are very used to hearing from. So Dion is my colleague who's at Lively. Uh, Lively is a master reseller of Cardo in the Asia-Pacific region. Um, Lively is also a partner of Google Cloud. They have a location-based services specialization here. And I thought he would be the perfect co-host to help round out this season with me. So thank you, Dion, once again for being my wingman on the podcast. Oh, great to be here. Yeah, it's nice to be on the other side. Well, like I said, we're here today to talk about something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast. So Recently, we've had this amazing series of podcasts about our Google Earth Engine and Geo initiative, which is run by EO Data Science, which is one of our NGIS group brands, um, and the great work that they're doing with Google Earth Outreach and Geo in that space. We've talked a lot about all the amazing things that you can do on BigQuery with your GIS data. Dion, you and I spoke about the project that we did with Red Balloon where we took all of their raw Google Analytics data, we fed that into BigQuery and we used the Cardo BigQuery connector to visualize that and it was a really great project. We've talked about BigQuery and GIS and Cardo for a really, really long time. So I'd love to get to know Chad and Matt a little bit more and give our listeners an opportunity to hear from you guys a little bit more. But I'll start with you, Chad. Could you just introduce yourself to our listeners just so they know who you are and a little bit about the work that you do at Google Cloud? Uh, Sure. Um, And thanks very much. We are uh, at Google and at BigQuery, you know, the the goal of the products and the platform is to be useful to people and allow them to do things with data that they couldn't before. And that's either by adding the ability to scale or adding functionality that they didn't have. So such as the case with BigQuery GIS. Um, you know, I personally was very attracted to, uh, to BigQuery uh, when I joined Google back in 2016. There was no thought of geospatial functionality inside, inside of BigQuery as, you know, as like implementing new SQL verbs. Um, and so my background in navigation and navigation processing, I come to the world of big data from aerospace. And, and my background has to do with landing airplanes with uh, very hyper p- precision GPS. And so like bringing that background into Google where everything is, you know, data, like we don't even call it big data anymore. It's just data. And coming into that environment is like, well, hey, we should put these two things together. And so that's been a big focus of my work over the last while. 
And Google has some, uh, you know, has some assets in the rest of the company, not just in cloud, that are pretty interesting. So we'll 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 get into them and how they make geospatial users' lives uh, better and interesting. Awesome, thank you, Chad. I'm really excited to to get into that a little bit more in the podcast. Matt, uh, we've like I said, we've had Cardo on our podcast before as a key technology partner for us. But can you please tell us a little bit about your role at Cardo and how it's evolved over the years, and especially your work with the Google Cloud team? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I joined Cardo in 2015, uh, but I was actually a, a Cardo partner before that. My background's in geography, so I went to the University of Wisconsin Madison, went through your classic sort of you know geography, you know GIS courses, and. When I came to New York, it was really exciting to see all of the things happening with with open source um, and you know things around post GIS and you know Cardo and Mapbox were really growing quite a bit at the time. And you know when I ultimately joined Cardo, it was you know great to see how we're taking all these different tools and, and putting them together. And I think you know where I've seen a lot of overlap with Cardo and and Google is, is specifically enabling some of these you know like we said, it's, I know Google doesn't call it big data, but I think, you know, still for a lot of folks in, in geospatial, big data is one of those things we've always been really excited about, but it's been one of those tricky things to solve. And it's, it's using larger data sets, we'll call them, <laughs> you know, that um, in really creative and exciting ways. And I think that's one of the most amazing things that I've been able to see is using BigQuery as a, as a toolkit to, to actually enable those use cases and then pull that into something like Cardo to create, you know, really interesting solutions on top of that. Um, it's things that when I was going through school, we always talked about, you know, there's all this data out there and if we could only tap into it and use it and make it really interesting, there's so much geospatial potential in that data. And now, now I think we're, we're really starting to see what that looks like. So. Absolutely. I, I really love that you said that because I think something we've talked about on the podcast before is that I guess in the, the last, well, I believe five to eight years has been this advent of the realization that location data exists in, in, their, in people's businesses. And I guess they just didn't know it was there. or didn't know how to tap into it. And Chad, you mentioned before that, you know, when infrastructure was being built, you know, was location data front of mind? Probably not, but it is starting to become the new norm there. Uh, you talked about your experience in aerospace and that need for high precision GPS data, for example. How do you both feel, I guess we'll start with Chad, that the GIS industry has changed now to accommodate the fact that we are collecting all of this location data and in more ways, more than we ever have before? In some ways, so, it's your, so you're absolutely right to observe that like, GIS is going through this, call it uh, like data scale and functionality renaissance, if you will. And in some ways, GIS is in this marvelous position to uh, ride on the wave that the digital transformation trend in industry is leading. Um, so like in Google's example, like BigQuery was built originally as a tool called Dremel inside of Google to process you know, vast web logs, right? As a, a successor to MapReduce. And so it was web logs that drove that innovation, not geospatial data. And it's been, you know, transactional data and financial data and web logs and whatnot that's driven companies to say, you know, you know, my on-premise systems can't handle it, so I need to move my infrastructure into the cloud because that scales better. And so GIS, I don't know, maybe it's a couple of years behind that other development, but you know, in this second wave, sorry, no pun intended, 
Um, but in this progression, you know, geospatial uh, data can be, uh, you know, input into these same systems. In Google's case, obviously, it's BigQuery. And then folks can go ahead and use them, like, at the, in the same, you know, call it uh, mold-breaking scales that users that use other types of data have enjoyed, you know, in the last couple of years. And so what's slick about that is that GIS will, you know, will be a fast follower to that digital transformation, which means that the transformation that GIS users will enjoy will be much faster, right? Because the existence proof is out there already that, you know, you can put data into the cloud and it's secure and whatnot. Like folks have like trodden that road already and shown that it's good. And so GIS users, I think, will be able to move, move and adopt a lot quicker. Awesome. Yeah. Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think for for me, one of the most important things that I was able to to learn, I, what I really encourage people to to learn is is being able to use spatial SQL, and I think it's an incredibly valuable toolkit. So you know, a lot of people might ask you, what's what's the next big thing I should learn, right? Whether that's Python, whether that's R, whether that's should I go learn PostJS, should I learn front end? What do I learn to take my career or, or geospatial toolkit to the next level? And I always, I always go back to spatial SQL because the ability to use and manipulate and, and process data is, is probably, I think, one of the most concrete and, and solid tools you need in a geospatial toolkit, if, if you think of it that way. And what you know, you're able to do on, on PostJS is, is pretty amazing, but where BigQuery and you know, the, the concept of a data warehouse takes that to a much larger level is... You know, it, you don't have to worry about the ability to compute and process the, the massive amounts of data. What's, what's really cool about that is BigQuery handles all that for you. You have a very simple interface to write your spatial query and get the outputs that you need. And I think what's even more important than that is from a data warehouse, you have all this data that's being possibly put there. And, and you know, Chad talked about web logs and, and where BigQuery is going is you might have things like past purchase data. You might have you know, individual records from millions and millions of rows up to, you know, I hate billions of rows. We can, we can talk about that. Being able to take all that and process it and, and aggregate it and put it on a map, that's really, really cool. And I think that's one of the most interesting and important things that I think, you know, what we see here is that there's so much work being put around the infrastructure and into the data warehouse to make that possible. Now you just need to bring your skill set around being able to query, you know, and, and uh, look at this data and create these really interesting data sets to start to use that data. And now all of that's opened up to you, which is the, the really, really exciting part. So yeah, let me let me build on something that Matt just said there. So like if you if you do an MBA or do any like startup school, one of the key insights to like decide to do or how to do your startup would be look for something disruptive in the marketplace. And that disruption causes an opportunity that a small company can move on. So here's a disruption uh, in the marketplace. So the cloud providers, Google, Google foremost among them, have spent tens of billions of dollars in the last few years on infrastructure. And th so that's B, that, you know, it's billions with a B. So it is a ton of money. And they've used that money to build infrastructure. So these are the data centers. And, you know, in Google's case, these are the data centers that run all of cloud, all of search, all of YouTube. So Google is really good at building these huge buildings with lots of computers in them. And what Matt just said was really pointed in that if you learn the programming language that accesses those computers, you just like your code gets supercharged. And in the case of BigQuery, it's SQL. In the case of BigQuery GIS, it's spatial SQL. 
So, you know, we have queries. So you type your query, you know, maybe it's, you know, select a parameter, do a computation on this other parameter, join with some set of polygons, like you want to, you know, group things by, you know, zip code, which Cardo has written about is a terrible idea, or census block, which is a better one, or, or, or whatever your local administrative polygon is. And then you write that in SQL and you can send that off to BigQuery. That might get sharded across 100, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 different machines. And you don't have to worry about any of that sharding. Boof, it just happens. And so that's why, you know, that's why what Matt said, like learning the language, learning spatial SQL basically gives you access to this powerful tool that's, you know, it's kind of, it's pretty unique in the world. So my wife, for example, is a fishery scientist. She uses R. Like I came from aerospace, MATLAB is dominant there. And the pattern you normally do is, you know, you'll, you'll write a very simple query. Let me pull all of the information out of the database and then crunch on it in R or Python or MATLAB or whatever your language is, and then, you know, do your computation. But the more of the content of your R or Python or MATLAB code you can push into SQL, the more you get to use the infrastructure that Google has built. It's cool. Should do it. Everybody's <laughs> heard it here first. <laughs> Chad and Matt say you need to learn spatial SQL immediately. No, just kidding. But no, you should. You should all think about it. I know that we have a lot of young people that listen to this podcast, people that are studying GIS, um, people studying remote sensing, for example. Like we've heard back from people um, who want to hear stuff like this. I want to say, hey, we want to know from from the people that are building these technologies, what do I need to learn? So there you go, guys, spatial SQL. It's well, hang, hang, hang on. Like, it's not just young people. So as the silver-haired yeah. person on this phone call, it's not <laughs> just young people that learn new skills. So, you know, if if you're of a certain age, that's fine. It's, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah, and, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think, and why I say that, and I can add a little kind of, you know, caveat onto that is, like I said, I came from a traditional sort of geography GIS background, and you learn all about spatial relationships and and how to do spatial joins and and you know how to do intersections and withins and, and all these amazing things that you can do. Why I say learn spatial SQL is the best thing you can do is get as close to the data as you can, and the the data ultimately, you know, for for almost any organization you're going to go into is on a database or a data warehouse. And if you can process and compute data as close to the data where it lives as possible, that's an incredibly valuable toolkit. And, and there's a few reasons. It's because one, it, it's um, it's faster. You're not, you know, interpolating it through some API. You're not, you know, if you're still running it through Python, you're still connecting and, and going back to the database in some step. So it's incredibly valuable to do that where the data lives. Um, that's one. Two, is the amount of flexibility you have there. I can write a, a query and do a spatial join alongside a nearest neighbor analysis and group and aggregate an average around, you know, say, do a spatial join, but also grab the average of my five nearest neighbor points and do that all in one query. And you can figure out how to make that more efficient and, and query that. So you can actually write queries that manage the business rules that you, you need. So what might that look like in a really practical example is to say, I might have, let's say I'm, I'm working in a retail setting and I have, you know, stores. And I know where all my stores are. And I also have all these transactions that tell me where the store is and, and a bunch of information about the specific transaction. I can group and aggregate that and join that to the stores. 
and put that on a map live for someone to use. And then that that's a really just impactful step. And the closer you are to the database, the, the faster you can do that. So that's that's why I do that is, you know, kind of understanding all the spatial relationships you know. It's being able to apply that right on the data. And that's a really cool, cool thing. Yeah, awesome. I think, yeah, going back to the point that, um, that Chad, you mentioned as well, that's something I hadn't thought about in terms of sort of using the learnings of the, the digital transformation. I think that's a really that's a really good point in terms of, you know, almost the traditional uh, IT infrastructure obviously had to migrate to the cloud and they had a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of effort that had to go into that. And it's almost like GIS can just skirt in on the coattails of, of that. Um, that sort of process. So yeah, that's that's really a yeah, really interesting point. And I, I've certainly uh, sort of going back to what you said, Sarah. I've certainly noticed that shift as well from the traditional GIS stack. I also obviously coming from a GIS background, um, as as you do, Matt. I've really noticed that shift from the traditional world into what what they're now sort of calling the the next generation of, of spatial infrastructure. Um, so it's a pretty exciting time. But I suppose um, for you, Matt, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about Cardo and in terms of how you've adapted to meet the demands of, of businesses that are operating in the cloud using all of this big data and even sort of why this was so critical or so important for you guys? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, one of the biggest things we, we've noticed and and sort of over the, the course of, of Cardo growing and, you know, changing where, where we really started was was in visualization. Was, was, that was our, our first thing we did. So it was, it was using data and making really efficient web maps. Now, what was really cool about that was we could create visualizations and, and do a lot of interesting stuff, and we could put maps and news articles and, and all over the internet. When we started working with more business-oriented customers and clients, the next phase was really around being able to do analysis on that data. So connecting something that someone's doing within the application to the core data itself and you know being able to actually do that. And the third step is, is scaling up. It's really growing, expanding you know, the amount of data that can be used within that. And um, I think that's kind of been our, our progression, but we've also kind of come back to the, the visualization phase as well. So summing all that up, you know, we've really focused a lot of our attention around being able to connect to where that data is, and then ultimately being able to put that into solutions and visualize and use that data. So from a really practical side, we can you know, talk, we're, we're here, we're talking about BigQuery. One huge component of us was we, you know, we want to be able to connect to where your data is. So we've, we've worked on this BigQuery connector, but also with that said, there's still data that you might want to visualize directly from BigQuery. Um, and we've worked a lot on that. And what we can talk about what we've, we built there around the BigQuery Tyler and visualization. So from our, our key platform perspective, we've really driven forward connectivity, go where the data is. And then we're really focusing now on creating uh, compelling solutions around that data. So we've, we've done a lot of work um, to bring in and integrate new visualization libraries. Um, so we, we are currently working on and, um, and uh, just released actually is an integration with DECGL. So being able to visualize data with, with DEC, which is really amazing. Um, and we're also working on uh, more toolkits to make application development a lot easier. So being able to stand those up very quickly. So when you think about it, you have lots of data and you know go where the data is, and then being able to develop applications really very quickly around that. And within all that said, we're really focused on being a complete platform and and really being cloud first. So we're you know really focusing on, on going uh, going into that route. All sounds really exciting, Matt. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the Cardo BigQuery Tyler because I was reading about it um, a little earlier last week, but it seems to be the the latest development from the Cardo camp when it comes to BigQuery as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, I just I just wanted to uh, to kind of set Matt up for this one. So you know, I see. First off, we should we should have said at the beginning um, that Google and Cardo are very close collaborators and formal partners. And Cardo has done an outstanding, I, I think, the best job of integrating geospatial visualization and analysis tools with BigQuery. Um, they are absolutely leading in that world, and Google is delighted to to be working with them. And so. I wanted to cue Matt's section here just a little bit to talk about one of the problems that cloud geospatial has had. And so with these traditional data warehouses, they got very good at ingesting data at scale and they got very good at doing compute at scale. Like, you know, BigQuery is all about that. The place where we didn't, when we moved to geospatial data, the place we didn't do as well is visualization at scale. And so like number of points, number of polygons on a map, that's always been a choke point. And so now you can do queries that like literally in BigQuery, our, our largest query process 17 petabytes of data in just about four minutes. You know, our, our largest customers have hundreds of petabytes uh, in storage with us. The, the largest by rows, I think the largest one was a geospatial query, like 23 billion rows in a single query. I mean, these are these are kind of nuts numbers. So we could ingest fast, we could compute fast, but we couldn't visualize fast. And Cardo with the Tyler has really solved that last one. So they brought visualization to the scale that these other components of a traditional workflow has. And, and we're very excited to see the adoption. It sounds amazing. Before before you jump in there, Matt, I remember one of my first um, assignments at NGIS Australia was to write up a blog about BigQuery GeoViz, <laughs> which is... You know, um, so to hear about being able to do your visualization directly from Google Cloud is pretty exciting stuff. Uh, and that was only, you know, two years ago. So you guys are moving leaps and bounds at the moment. Matt, do you want to elaborate on what Chad just mentioned there? Yeah, yeah. So like I, I said, originally Cardo came around and, and we built a, a visualization or engine around PostGIS. And that was our, our first, you know, if you might have known us as CardoDB back in the days, that's that's what our core kind of product was very, very early on. Now, what we, we saw the need for is, is like we said, we, we put the visualization where the data was. It's the same concept with BigQuery. The data is in BigQuery, and it's far more efficient to bring visualization technology to where the data is. So the BigQuery Tyler effectively, you know, without going into too many details, does, does just that. We, are, we can create visual tile sets directly from BigQuery and use the vast amount of computing resources and knowledge that Google has put into this product to make rendering geospatial data on a map highly efficient. So what that allows you to do in, in, a, in a few easy steps is basically create a query. Um, you can pull the data and put a and develop a tile set from millions or, or billions of rows and do that visualization at, at, at scale. So um, there's, we'll, we'll share a link to this, but there's some examples that we've done. We've we pulled in the NYC uh, taxis data set, which is, you know, I think, I don't remember the exact number, but it's millions of individual taxi trips that have gone uh, around New York City over the years. We've done that with the U.S. Uh, buildings data set from Microsoft, where they created um, all these different buildings. We've done it with uh, ships and, and ship routes. So what it does in the cases where you, let's say you don't want to aggregate the data or, you know, join it or do something like that, you just want to see the raw data on a map to see what's going on. The BigQuery Tiler allows you to really do that. And what's great about it is it's, it's at the data level. So as data is changing, um, the tiles can change. And, and you can pull all this in and do it really efficiently. 
and uh, it adds that very large scale visualization component to the map, which I think is is really really great. Um, so we're we're just in the early phases of this, but we're seeing some really interesting use cases. And, and like I said, it's really exciting to see now the ability to do that with really you know big data sets. And I, I hate to keep using that big data term, but large, you know, it's, large it, sets of it's data. It's fun to see for a yeah geospatial <laughs> person like having that much data on a map. It's like wow, it's it's just a cool thing to to be a part of. So. Yeah, we we do a demo where the the data set that we visualize with the Tyler has ten billion points. You know, I guess back in the '90s, I suppose you know there was a company called Keyhole, um, and Google ended up acquiring them. But like this was the company that did the first renderings, like you know where you could render the Earth from space and then like zoom into a local thing, and and that blew everybody's mind. And so you know now we're at that stage with geospatial data where you can look at a global point cloud data set you know rendered as a heat map you know and see like all of the shipping returns for an entire year on a single map you know and then zoom in and see what that looks like like in my neck of the woods in Seattle um and or or at any zoom level in between it's it's just awesome I can see Dion like nodding. He's like in, internally like so excited to be hearing all this stuff. I can see it on his face. Dion, what kind of opportunities do you think that would present here in the Australia-New Zealand market? I mean, something you're so involved with. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing to hear some of those numbers. I mean, I think in Australia, we've probably only got a, a couple of uh, industries that would sort of get those those levels of data, obviously, just given the population and, and the amount of activity and that sort of thing. Um, we're sort of yeah, I suppose a little bit smaller scale, but um, yeah, it's amazing stuff. But I mean, we are, yeah, some of our new, our newest and most exciting projects uh, are using the BigQuery Tyler. Um, so we're already looking at how we can make use of that. And in terms of sort of the data that we come across, um, a lot of the time it's satellite imagery and then also GPS data. Um, so the points coming out of a GPS unit. And so, like I said, the, the big industries for us over here that would generate that sort of data, probably agriculture, resource management, uh, mining, those sort of industries mm. um, where they're just collecting so much of that information. And then really what we what we see and what we're working with with some companies to do is really pull that data in, make sense of it using GCP and BigQuery. Um, and that's where the Tyler comes in, just like Matt was saying, bringing the, the analysis really close to the data um, and bring the visualization close to that is the most efficient way to do it. So, yeah, we're really making use of the best of GCP um, and then uh, presenting it as a front end through Cardo. And we find that's, that's a really good fit. Um, so we're using that a lot in a lot of our projects lately particularly when it comes to things like satellite imagery. I mean, things like the Global Forest Watch come to mind as well, um, which uh, I'm sure, Matt, you're across. Yeah, some of the awesome work that's being done there. And that's that's a really, I think that's a really nice um, sort of coupling of those technologies. I, I um, think that... Between things, oh, sorry, things like Google Earth, sorry, just things like Google Earth Engine and then Cardo coming together. Uh, I think that's a really nice uh, sort of fit of the two technologies. You know, you hit on something interesting there when you talked about Earth Engine and, you know, looking at imagery because not all geospatial processes involve just tabular data, which apologies for the term for the geospatial uh, educated off audience here, but I have to invent that term when I'm explaining what, uh, you know, the difference between vector and raster say to, uh, you know, a data warehousing audience. Uh, so tabular data is a term that I've kind of come up with there, but you know, it fits in BigQuery. But you know, not all data you know fits in the IoT use case, right? Which which would have you know structured data there. Like sometimes you've got to talk to the um, you know the imagery side of it, and so like the use cases that span Earth Engine and BigQuery are also very well handled by the infrastructure between the two products. And so we've got a lot of customers that like 
are crunching on satellite imagery and then you know exporting results of that into BigQuery and then doing machine learning and geospatial analysis on that using the tools that are available in BigQuery and then you know sometimes porting it back for visualization or pulling it out to you know to Cardo for visualization. So that workflow that spans like imagery, tabular data, machine learning, geospatial, all wrapped into the same SQL. Oh yeah, if, if we hadn't mentioned, go learn spatial SQL, and then um, you know, and then with Cardo, that's like that's that really is the embodiment of that next generation spatial infrastructure that anybody can use. And to be honest, there are free tiers for Earth Engine and for BigQuery, so you can go use this stuff for free. Go play; it's cool. Yeah, definitely. I think something really interesting that we've seen this year, and like Matt was saying before we started recording, it's been a hell of a ride this year, is talking about how we can use GIS and location intelligence to inform matters of public interest. I mean, what we've seen this year is a lot of people turning to location data to get answers, to help make sense of what's going on in the world. If you look at something like the pandemic, looking at how we can control the spread of the virus, for example, looking at affected areas. Um, this is something Cardo did very well, like I mentioned. But we've, we've also got a lot of other things happening in the world right now. Like you guys are both in the US, you've got an election about to happen. And what do we all look at when we have an election happening? You've got a big map of the US and you've got red states and you've got blue states. But you guys are you know so amazing at this that you're able to tap into data sources that, I mean, people wouldn't previously have thought of doing social media there's one that you could use in the election like there's so many possibilities matt what are you guys thinking about when it comes to to addressing these matters of public interest yeah i i can take a few you know early on during the pandemic um cardo's you know based between the us and spain and you know, spain was one of the countries earlier on that had a big surge in, in covid 19 cases and we actually worked with google on this project was uh, a, an app called assistencia madrid um, it expanded to multiple regions in spain was actually allowed people to self-report symptoms to say i have a fever these are you know I'm, I'm short of breath things like that and they were actually able to collect their location to say you know, in real time as people started to self-report even without testing you know testing even at that point was still really getting up and running to say where there might be pockets of you know cases starting to pop up so you could collect that data put it you know on a, on a map that these governments could use to say how should we respond in a very real time setting this was within weeks you know and then, not even weeks you know within days get this up and running get it out to people let them start using it and it was that speed that was really important so one of the important things was getting that that application up at, at, in a very short amount of time, being able to stand that up and let people still you know, report very quickly. Over the course of the pandemic, we worked with um, New York City to start to analyze the utilization of essential services like grocery stores and pharmacies um, across the city. And then now into the election, I see a couple of different things happening, you know, utilizing a lot of data around the census um, just to start to understand where people are. You know, it's it's 2020. It's a census here in the U.S. Here, um, so there's going to be even more data that comes out with that. And of course, the election has a big impact on that for redistricting and things like that. Um, I think I've also seen a lot of maps and visualizations done around um, access to polling places. So you know, the the pandemic changed the way we're voting in the U.S. So there's you know not just your traditional polling places, but there's uh, ballot drop-off locations, and then there's early voting locations that might differ from your normal election day location. So just getting that information out to people to let them know, see on a map where they should vote, 
and where they should go. And also ensuring that, you know, people are very clear on that because things have changed and, you know, different polling places have been moved around for a number of different reasons. Um, but, you know, it's ultimately understanding how people can, can make their voice heard. And that's really what I've seen the geospatial community come around is to say, how can you vote? You know, and I think that's a really important aspect is how we can use that data to do that. So there's a lot happening around that. And, and without getting into all the complexities of U.S. politics today, you know, I think it, it's really great to see that. I think it's um, the general message is how do we help people make their voice heard? And that's that's what I've seen, at least from some of the election mapping that I've, I've seen so far. So it's been an awesome discussion. Um, obviously, the big query, Tyler, has, has been one of the most exciting um, sort of developments we've seen in the last couple of months. Um, that's in beta at the moment, so there's a lot happening there. Chad, what's what's next on the on the roadmap for BigQuery GIS? Well, <laughs> thanks for the opportunity to to describe it here. I feel like with with the Tyler and with BigQuery, like you know, most geospatial, most data workflows, you know, ingest, compute, visualize, or share. I feel like with the Tyler um, and with the work that we've been doing with Cardo, we've gotten all of those to it's really like a new level with this next generation geospatial infrastructure that Cardo has been talking about and that Google has been helping to enable. And to be honest, it's the first time that we've had that kind of coverage across all of those segments of a workflow. So now that you've got the bases covered, you know, what can you do? What can you do next? I think the key, the key developments for us uh, with Cardo will be uh, developing more and better solutions so that customers aren't forced to create them. There's some, you know, some particular use cases that are coming up, like, um, you know, companies that collect large amounts of geospatial data, they'll make a data mart, they want to figure out how to sh safely, and privately, and for profit share access to their data. Um, so monetizing data marts is one of the key use cases that we see coming up and that spans, you know, telecom, retail, uh, industrial, Internet of Things. So there's there's a lot there. For the BigQuery engineering team, we're going to be developing a bunch more functions um, and higher level functions. So look, we launched Convex Hull, um, we launched DBScan as a SQL function. So like again, you can you know you can use the power of Google's network computing network to do these very high level geospatial functions. We'll have more collaborations to announce, like Unilever, over the coming year. Um, you know, this whole combination of satellite imagery to generating, oh, sorry, analyzing satellite imagery, generating tabular data, and then doing geospatial and machine learning analysis on that, that that's a use case that's just going to accelerate. And then we're going to have more, more integrations with tools like Earth Engine. All it's going to be a big year. Yeah, it does. It sounds like it's going to be a huge year. I have to give a little shout out from um, the NGIS Australia team as well, Chad, because with our mining industry, some of them, you know, out at client sites and things like that. And these are, you know, huge mining companies as well. They're all using FME um, pretty much daily. And um, the FME and BigQuery direct integration, I know they've all been talking about, and it's been a bit of a buzz in the office and a bit of a godsend. And so I feel like I should thank you on their behalf, <laughs> because they're all been saying how great it is. Um, and how it's made their lives a lot easier on site too. Oh, that, that's that's really splendid to hear. And I, I will take that personally since I was the instigator of that partnership. But the folks at uh, Safe Software that, that write FME have been fantastic. Um, and so like on the ingest side, like they really helped us solve that ingest data at scale 
Um, and they also do translation from shapefiles into BigQuery tables natively, which is just a marvelous thing. So our, our engineers can focus on making some cool new functions like DB scan, as opposed to like unpacking shapefiles and, and rendering them. So really glad that you, uh, you said that and you made my day. Oh, that's good. Well, because we have a, you know, um, so huge projects happening here at the moment around um, the geotetic datum of Australia, but GDA 2020, which is really, I'll be honest, quite a, a lot of it goes over my head. Dion can probably explain it a lot, a lot better than I can. Um, but I know that a lot of the work being done in government and in mining is really relying on FME a lot to like get everything across to the same datum. And uh, they're having to use FME a lot for that. And we have a lot of our clients who uh, really do rely on Google Cloud to compute and um, store and analyze their data too. So it's all good things. Yeah, I would I would add, I think that's that's really been key for getting the adoption of something like Google Cloud. So for traditional, we've obviously talked a lot about traditional GIS infrastructure, um, for them to to be able to realize the, the, um, the benefits of cloud computing, the scalability, the performance, all these sorts of things. I think the key is yeah, meeting them where they, where they, where their data lives. And a lot of that is in FME. So yeah, really hats off to you, Chad, for um, identifying that and getting that into the BigQuery um, ecosystem because I think that's a huge part of it. Everyone uses FME, particularly here in the GIS industry. So that's been crucial for us as well, obviously in our consulting role for getting companies to use things like GCP um, is, is really, yeah, it's, it's huge for that. Yeah, that's 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 great to hear. You know, as, as you know, companies like for, for Matt and Cardo and for me at, at Google, when you develop brand new technologies, like there's, as a technologist, you want to go to your customers and say, hey, you got to use this new technology. It's really great, and I worked really hard on it. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you've got to remember also that that customer is like, "Hey, I've got a you know, I've got a job, and I've got kids at home. I don't have time to like learn all this new stuff. Can you please just make it easy for me?" And FME has really done that. Like, we try very hard to meet customers where they are, as opposed to like prescribe how they need to change their lives. Like, here are the benefits if you do you know develop this new skill. But, you know, if you don't want to, we're going to still make it easy for you to do. And so we see you know, just a little bit of industry dynamics. Like I see two different flavors of customers. There's the traditional GIS user that uses, you know, FME and some of the more traditional tool, like they're still doing work like on their desktop. And then there are customers who are, call it, you know, born in the Internet. And they all they all end up migrating to tools like BigQuery and Cardo, but they come by very, very different paths. And like as product management strategy, they need different types of tooling to enable that path. So FME for traditional GIS people makes perfect sense. Absolutely. I was just um, writing up in a blog the other day as well, saying if you're using FME to ingest that data into BigQuery, once you get it there, that's an opportunity for you to use Cardo to get that beautiful visualization to take place. Matt, I feel like this is a really great time as well to ask you the same question about what's going on at Cardo. Is there... What does the next, you know, six months, for example, look like? What are your priorities? Yeah, so the the big things we're working on right now um, are the first I mentioned was visualization. So we're we're integrating and allowing people to take their data in Cardo and put it into visualizations with uh, DeckGL. Um, so we actually just added a, a new layer option, uh, which is a Cardo SQL layer. You can also do a big query tile layer within um, within a, a deck map, which is really cool. And building on top of that, we're really focused on integrating more into that sort of ecosystem and then allowing you to build and scale applications on top of that very quickly. 
So we're working on projects to take, you know, a, a roughly like what we call a boilerplate and scale applications using that toolkit quite quickly. So that's a huge component for us. We're working uh, more on connectivity. We've made some um, you know, performance enhancements to our platform. So I think what we're getting to is a place where we have this complete sort of solution from connecting your data, integrating it, analyzing it, um, and then pulling it into a, a you know, really solid application development interface. So um, there's a lot more to come on that. Those are some of the really exciting things we're looking forward to. So well, We are looking forward to them as well. And hopefully on the next season of Location Matters, Matt, we can have you back on to talk through some of those items a little in a little bit more detail. We'll round it up there, but I thought it might be a good opportunity for um, Chad and Matt to give our listeners an idea of maybe some resources if you're wondering where you can get started, for example, using Google Cloud. I know Chad mentioned before, there are credits, so you can get on there, you can have a play, you can do really cool stuff. Chad, did you have any other resources that you'd recommend to our listeners if they want to learn more about using GIS in Google Cloud? Yeah, absolutely. So BigQuery has a thing called the BigQuery Sandbox, which is not just credits, it's it's a free tier and you can store up to 10 gigabytes of your own data and process up to a terabyte per month. And it doesn't cost any money and it, it, you don't even have to put your credit card down and all the machine learning and all of the geospatial analytics work like a charm. So yeah, search for BigQuery Sandbox. And then, you know, if you go into Twitter and just search for BigQuery GIS, you'll find a lot of examples that people have put out. Uh, plus Matt and I have a few, uh, a few helpful, like getting started links that we can provide uh, in, the, in the page associated with the podcast. Absolutely. Matt, did you have any resources you'd like to add as well? Yeah, we'll, we'll share a few. Um, we have uh, some resources from our end on getting started with Spatial SQL. Um, so we'll definitely share those. Um, and, you know, we'll kind of walk through some of the, the different progressions on some of these key, you know, toolkits that we think are valuable to learn, you know, for, for someone who's getting started and walking through that SQL toolkit for, you know, more of the, the data science flavor using SQL plus Python. And then, you know, for the advanced users using SQL plus the visualization component for the BigQuery Tyler. So we'll make sure to kind of share all of those pieces so that, you know no matter where you are sort of in your journey there's there's something to get started with absolutely thank you for that i'll also include some links there as well matt for some of the spatial data science conference um, resources that you might have available as well when the time comes for all of our listeners just to remind you to access the show notes you just go to ngis.com.au to the newsroom and the page that says podcast and we'll have all of the links that chad and matt mentioned right there um, but that's all we have time for today. I say today, it's morning where Chad and Matt are and it's very late evening here where Dion and I are. But thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for staying with us on the podcast for another season. We've seen our listenership more than double. We've got more people downloading the podcast than ever. We're really proud to bring you a GIS podcast where we can talk agnostically about all sorts of really cool things that are happening in the GIS world. Um, and that's something we're really, really proud of. Really, really pleased that we could end this season with Chad and Matt here. And Dion, my friend, thank you very much once again for being on the podcast. Thank you. No, it was a great chat. Thanks thanks to you guys. Thank you, Chad and Matt, so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yep, thank you. If you like what you listen to here on Location Matters, don't forget that you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Google Podcasts. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, 
check out our website ngis.com.au